the Black Health Podcast again. It is me, Paula. Hi, it's Khadija. Hello, it's Gabrielle. Hey, it's Rose. So today we have Gabrielle, great friend of Black Health, who's been on the podcast before. And we also have Rose, who is from the Black Mamas Matter Alliance. And we'll get into who Rose is and more about Black Mamas Matter later on in the show. Uh, but right now, just how's everybody? What's what's new? I'm good. I've been like really busy. Mm. And I feel like I have been working a lot like on weekends and after like nine to five. Yeah, work doesn't stop. Anymore. It doesn't. <laughs> I've, I've learned that. Like work is constant. It doesn't. And like I, when we were in school, I feel like we got used to just doing multiple things like school and then clubs, like extracurriculars and having to study like all that and all the internships and shit. Oops. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think the podcast is used to me cussing at this point. But um, <laughs> uh, like now that we are adults and in the working world, I still be busy. Yeah. I don't understand. And we convinced ourselves okay. that your nine to five was all you were going to. Do. Yeah, <laughs> that absolutely isn't the case. <laughs> I've noticed lately I have a lot of meetings, like with oh. people about oh. things. That's <laughs> just like why am I like why is it like you know I have like work meetings and then I have like black health meetings and it's just like all this like meet this person talk about something and see where it goes and like some of them are like fruitful or whatever but it's just like this new thing in my life where like. Oh, I have a meeting with such and such, like about something, and I'm like, oh my god, do the meetings ever stop? Like, <laughs> but they don't. <laughs> like, you have to like make connections <laughs> to move forward. I feel like I put in a lull right now where I I was very busy like a month ago, but right now I don't have anything going on. That's Finish nice. all my data work. Yeah, I meet with the people I have to see, but mm-hmm. three o'clock, four o'clock, I'm done. Wow. wow. Yeah. That's really, that's really nice. You know, I don't have it that way. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I feel like I have a lot of meetings and a lot of things that are done outside hours, which is okay. Right. You're working I on think Sunday when, morning. When, like when, yeah, Sunday <laughs> yeah. morning. You know, I think when you're like in school, especially in grad school, like it's such a structure that you don't do much outside that structure if you have like a practicum or an internship. But when you really start working, you're like, oh, okay, this is more than, you know, I thought it would be so yeah yeah Yeah, so everyone had a good weekend oh I have an update for the podcast um so my sister her name is Miriam I don't think I've talked about her on the pod before I don't think so (laughs) but she's my younger sister and she is about to start med school this summer she is going to school in Barbados at Ross, <laughs> Ross, you're looking at me. It's Paula's Ross University. Her sister was just telling us yesterday. I should know. It's Ross, <laughs> but also she should know. <laughs> um, so she's about to move down there in May. I didn't realize Barbados was so close to South America. Oh, it's literally like right, right above, ne- right yeah. above South America. That's like so it's cool. not like where I thought it was near like Bahamas. And, yeah, like, I think that's what I assumed as well. Yeah, but nah, it's pretty low down. <laughs> Very but cool. it's gonna. I'm so excited for her. 
And this is an open invitation, not necessarily to our audience, but to the people <laughs> in the room. If you ever want to go to Barbados, <laughs> you can come with me. I'm, I'm there. I'll take <laughs> you up on that for sure. <laughs> the flights are actually really cheap. So. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's cool. My cousin actually went to med school in Antigua. Oh, cool. Yeah, American University of Medicine in Antigua. And her program was half there and now she's back in here in Georgia she's yeah. doing her rotation yeah there. that's how my sister yeah so yeah. it's super yeah. cool to be mm-hmm. studying in a tropical environment yeah. you know, and then to come back so because I think it's like the academic part because in med school like the first two years it's, it's all, like yeah, the, and the, the academic yeah, and yeah. then the last two were like the rotation yeah. yeah and obviously like most of the like academic medical centers and stuff are in the it's states pretty, yeah so they usually like bring them to the states for the rotations yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Well, yesterday I went to an event with Samsung where they had a personal trainer that was there to, like, oh. we were testing out their new fitness watch. Oh. And so um, oh. I went through, like, a 30-minute workout that I wasn't prepared for. <laughs> you know, it was fine. <laughs> it was enjoyable. You know, I... Wired or own a Fitbit, but if you know or are interested in looking into, maybe you could look into Samsung's new technology. They're all essentially the same, so okay. you know, yeah. don't bust your budget if you don't have to, but yeah. it was fun to do. That sounds fun. What'd y'all do in the workout? A little <laughs> bit of everything. Yeah. It was a lot a lot of squats, a lot of lunges, a lot of um, sit-ups of various varieties, and it was actually really cute. Yeah. <laughs> was, it, was it like the hit, like the high intensity yes, interval I, training? Yeah. I, I actually really like that. Way. I yeah. like that. And it yeah. was on a like yeah. open outside like lawn, and so mm. there were set people there doing exercise as a part of the class. But there were a lot of children around who kind of came up like, "Oh, I'm gonna you know exercise too." So it was cute. Yeah. <laughs> That's That's cool. Cool. yeah. Yeah, there's like a YouTube like hit video. There's a lot of them, but there's like one that I watch and like do, and I'll be like really sore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like forty minutes. Yeah, yeah, not long not at all. Long. And after yeah. it's like wow. Yeah, and it was very hot. I wouldn't necessarily recommend doing this in that type of weather. Oh, it was, yeah, it was outside. outside. Yeah, it was outside. Yeah, and I don't think they advertised that it was going to be outside. So <laughs> yeah, and yesterday was really very hot. Yeah. And today is not. Not it's hot. Not hot. Yeah. Like, like, yeah. I don't know what's going on with this Atlanta weather. Right. But, right. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Um, so, yeah, we're going to want to update you all on some stuff going on with Black Health. Uh, yesterday as well, we had our Ask a Doctor event. Um, and the topic of this one was sickle cell disease. It was, like, super informative. Uh, really great event. Great turnout as well. Um, and we had Dr. Tamara New, who is a pediatric hematologist from the Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Um, also, Clayton Andrews came. He's co-founder of Sickle Cell, Ch- uh, Sickle Cell Champions Association, which is like a mentorship program for, is it just men or young men with sickle mm-hmm. cell? Um, and then also um, Janelle, who is a sickle cell disease patient and advocate. And so Clayton also has sickle cell. And so Clayton and Janelle came and really gave their like personal perspective of what mm-hmm. it's like living with the disease. Um, and that was just uh, super interesting. And then uh, Dr. New was able to give that expert mm-hmm. opinion, advice, and really talk about uh, research and what what's in the in the pipeline as far as like cures. Um, mm-hmm. And there there are some cures. It's really um, like gene, gene therapy, therapy yeah. she said. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're they're still testing a lot of it. Um, and so because she she works in pediatrics with children, um, she's not 
really a part of like a lot of the the cure testing because they start with adults Mm -hmm. um, before they move to children Um, but she's definitely knowledgeable about it she says she um, you know does her best to stay up to date on new research so she so that she can help her patients Um, she was also talking about how important it is for black people to donate blood Mm -hmm. Um, and why was that it's because a lot of sickle cell patients need blood transfusions Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was a deep conversation. So yeah. <laughs> a lot of sickle cell patients need blood transfusions. And it's like the more blood transfusions you get, like the more sensitive your body becomes to the foreign blood. Mm-hmm. And so like your blood cells have proteins. So mm-hmm. you have a blood type, but then your blood cells also have very specific proteins. And she said they're like a fingerprint. Like they're very unique to the individual. And so as your body becomes more sensitive, your body starts recognizing that, hey, like this blood cell is not, does not have the same protein makeup as my, what I produce. And so it starts rejecting that, that um, foreign blood. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so you're more likely like within your racial group to share, to have more similar proteins on the blood and um, all of that. So just having blood that a person will accept, um, it's more likely to occur like in your racial group. Mm-hmm. And so we know that sickle cell disease, um, is, is a genetic condition condition that, um, mainly affects, um, black and brown people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we need a lot of African Americans to donate blood, um, to help people who need blood transfusions because they have sickle cell disease um and actually Clayton who I said was one of the people there with sickle cell um he was talking about how they have to order his blood when he needs a transfusion they have to order it from out of state because Mm -hmm. his it's such it's only like a specific person or persons who can donate blood to him that his body will accept um yeah so that was pretty like mind-blowing to hear I didn't ever really understand like I didn't understand anything about blood outside of blood types. So I was like, yeah. why is there some push, special push for African-Americans to donate blood over just generally anybody with a certain blood type? Clayton and Janelle really shared about like how different things that they do that might cause them to go in a sickle cell crisis, mm-hmm. which sounds to me as... as um, I'm sure that there's variations, there's levels to what a sickle cell crisis, crisis would look like, mm-hmm. but it sounded like they were describing... It starts with like a lot of pain mm-hmm. um and so uh one of the attendees asked a really great question she asked what does a sickle cell crisis look like how does someone who doesn't have sickle cell disease know that someone is going through a crisis and clayton said i'm in a sickle cell crisis right now and you wouldn't know that oh he was sitting you know he's sitting yeah. at the event he looks mm-hmm. fine um and so that was the point like you don't know like you don't know when someone is in a lot of pain especially mm-hmm. people who have you know, chronic illnesses mm-hmm. that cause pain. That aren't visible. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so making assumptions about whether someone's in pain, do they look like they're in pain enough? Like, you know, mm-hmm. all of that is, is problematic because people deal with their pain and manage it in their own ways, and especially someone who's, you know, sickle cell is a disease that you have from the time that you're born. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You've been dealing with that since you were born. You, you kind of develop a way of, like, not showing that to people that you're in pain because you try to get mm-hmm. through life as normal as possible. Um, so believe people when they say that they are in pain. Um, and that was something that came up in um, the conversation around how doctors treat black patients mm-hmm. and not believing yeah. them being in pain. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so how that's, uh, you know, that has a different, you know, it's a, almost a acuter, more acute problem when we think about sickle cell disease patients. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. We also, yeah, we also talked about 
Um, so sickle cell is a genetic disease, um, but it's still impacted by racism. <laughs> and so one of the ways that's impacted is in terms of research funding. So, yeah. <laughs> Gabby's yeah. nodding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so sickle cell disease... Um, compared to other similar, like, genetic, like, blood diseases Mm -hmm. or, like, genetic disorders, um, gets significantly less research funding. Mm -hmm. So we talked about cystic fibrosis, which is something that mostly white people, um, or the people that have cystic fibrosis are mostly white in the U.S., and how that gets eight times more funding than sickle cell, even though cystic fibrosis impacts 30,000, roughly 30,000 Americans, and sickle cell disease impacts roughly 80 to 100,000 yeah. Research, Americans. A lot yeah. of research, it's about, it's, it's a money game. Yeah. So, so essentially what you have to do is convince the people who have money, who typically are not in any way related to research, they're just, you know, that top 1% who has the funds. Yeah. You have to convince them that your problem is affecting a lot of people and is significant. And so advocacy really is the, uh, basically being a good advocate for your disease is how you get the funding. Mm -hmm. And so cystic fibrosis and even other diseases that typically affect non-people of color have done a really good job of getting their recognition out there. And then once you make that first connection, it's very easy to get several other connections and continue to get grants and funding and funding. Mm -hmm. Whereas, okay, well, sickle cell only affects really black and brown people and it's much harder for them to get into a space where they could do advocacy work and get the attention of people who have the money. And so it's just going to be a cycle of right. teams. Like, even if there's way more people who are affected, they're never going to be able to secure funds. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's an issue. And it, and it just speaks to how racism. <laughs> Don't we say this every podcast? Every podcast, we're like, racism. Like, yeah, yeah racism is... Um, the culprit um it's the root cause of these disparate health outcomes that we see so yeah yeah uh yeah so Khadija do you want to tell, talk about uh Black Health Conversations the last one we did yeah so we had an event um a couple a few weeks ago around interpersonal violence in the black community mm-hmm. uh so specifically we talked about domestic violence and then child abuse and adverse childhood experiences and so that event was, I think it went really well. Yeah. We had it at the Movement Lab ATL, which is this um, event space, co-working space that's black woman owned. Um, yeah, Rose, if, you, <laughs> if y'all ever want to have an event there, it's only like, $35, $40 yeah. an hour. Yeah, it was very oh, wow. affordable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super affordable. Um, so that's a plug for them. Um, yeah. But we had experts in the room um, that had expertise around um, domestic violence in the black community. Um, we had uh, U. Lester Douglas. Douglas. Uh, stopping violence. Mm-hmm. And he is really um, an advocate and expert around black men in their like what they can do to stop violence, address domestic violence. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we had Sheena, um, who, uh, works at Georgia, um... Coalition. Yes. It's G-C-A-D-V, I think. Yeah. Georgia Coalition Against Domestic Violence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and so, mm-hmm. and so a lot of her work is around how like racism and race plays into disparate health outcomes when it comes to domestic violence, and like they really narrow in on black women. Um, and so uh, the conversation was really, it, I I learned a lot, um, and definitely like when we talk about violence and abuse in the black community like a that is not just like physical violence mm-hmm. and abuse like that can look very right nice. very much mental I would <laughs> right say, mental yeah. emotional financial mental. Yeah. yeah um we talked so um several of our guests um attendees during the event were black men and they talked about their experience like learning from their uncles and daddies and stuff around, like, gold-digging women and how mm-hmm. women just want your money. So, like, how, like, they, in terms of, like, financial power, mm-hmm. they, like, that can creep into financial abuse really easily because yeah. they, like, oh. the stigma around, like, black women just wanting your money. So, like, you, if you have money, like, you are going to dictate what goes on right yeah okay yeah Yeah. and then we talked about um like child abuse and neglect and we talked about spanking in the black community Mm -hmm. um and i our attendees um spoke about how that's really just like a cultural norm (laughs) like that's not at all seen as abusive or violent Mm -hmm. behavior that's just literally how you discipline in like train your kids and we talked a lot about how like black children don't really have voices and we don't really have yeah (laughs) Yeah. like black kids don't have like literally whatever an adult does they can do whatever they want and they don't have to give a reason they don't have to (laughs) and i will say that is something that i i think a lot of things are unique to black people but i think that's one thing that actually is across just people of color like and very like i have a asian co-worker we had the same conversation where it's like you're not gonna question anything your parents say to you or do it's just kind of they tell you to do it and you just get to it because there's there's no middle ground whereas you know our uh, fair skin counterparts (laughs) have to deal with that typically you know they're very much allowed to speak their minds do what they want so but i think you know along with i think that things are changing you know people mm-hmm. millennial parents like I have a two-year-old mm-hmm. and my husband John and I are very cognizant on letting him you know express himself but then also setting boundaries, yes. boundaries that, that, is are, important. that are mutually respective of him mm-hmm. as an individual and then you know us as his parents as his guardians I think us growing up you know our parents were still very much in that mode. You gonna do what I tell you? Yeah. <laughs> You're not gonna question, right? You know? And you know, and that's that's that that can be okay, but then it can be also be problematic yeah. on the child. Like yeah. every and every child has a different personality right. mm-hmm. and a different way that they need to be responded to, and a different way that right. they need to be taught. So I think things are changing. I mean, now with you know millennial parenting and you know. Um, just information that we have mm-hmm. and how yeah. normalized we're gradually making seeking mental health mm-hmm. services in yes. the black community, yes. which I really love. Mm-hmm. Um, I think things are changing, and it's not to say that we're gonna like get rid of you know our culture completely, you know. <laughs> no, but like it's just yeah. you know just you know giving you know children a voice because they are yeah. individuals too, and what starts in childhood you know spews into adulthood and. Yeah 
issues that are not dealt with in childhood, mm. you know, become problems in yes. Yeah. We talk about intergenerational trauma yeah, and how yeah. that just is a cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and literally, like, violence as, like, we've been trained that violence is a solution and literally that goes back to, like, slavery. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 <laughs> slave masters, yeah. so. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, <laughs> I know it, it was really deep. And when I got, when I've been, um, so we're doing another conversations event on HIV. So when I've been sending out emails, uh, inviting people to it, I've described them as being like, you know, part educational, just part like group discussion, but like also part group therapy because they get like real like yeah. <laughs> people are like things benching. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like a lot. Um, and so I love that about the events. So yeah, definitely stay tuned for our upcoming events. We're going to be doing another Ask a Doctor and we'll be doing another Black Health Conversations uh, starting up in May. Um, so yeah, so we can go ahead and get into our topic for today's episode, it is Black Maternal Health. Um, and we've touched on this before on the podcast, um, and it comes up a lot, you know, the high rates of death of Black mothers. Um, and we talked about it in relation to the story that Serena Williams shared um, when she gave birth. Um, she said she gave birth and then she had blood clots. Like, she knew she was having blood clots because she's experienced this before. Also, she's like, you know, our the world's greatest athlete. It's <laughs> very in tune with her body. It's very yeah. in tune with her body. And, um, and you know, an extremely wealthy person on top of that. Um, you know, so just on those kind of, those factors alone, she's a very powerful person. But then when you get down to her being a black woman, it's almost like that, like in a life or death situation, like that almost got thrown out the window mm-hmm. in a way. Um, and so, you know, she was saying she, she felt like she was having blood clots. Um, she was experiencing the symptoms of it. And she, uh, told the nurse, like, I need a CT scan. Um, and the nurse didn't listen to her. The nurse thought that she was delirious from pain meds and I guess told her to go back to bed or something like that. Or like they gave her, I think an ultrasound or something, something that wasn't what she requested. Yeah. (laughs) Because she knew what she needed and they didn't do that. Um, and then eventually they did end up giving her a CT scan and she had blood clots in her lungs. Right. Um, so yeah, um, you know, just another example of a woman, like that was a woman who almost, you know, could have lost her life, uh, due to, uh, birthing complications. Um, and then I know another time on the show, uh, Mercy talked about this shocking statistic published by the CDC that black women are 243% more likely than white women to die from pregnancy or childbirth related causes. Um, and this is because, you know, black women, it's a, it's the environments. Uh, one reason is the environments in which many of us live. Um, we have less access to healthy food, safe drinking water, safe neighborhoods, reliable transportation. All those issues come together and and make for a, a more likely like to have an unhealthy mm-hmm. birth. Um, also, when we just start talking about the healthcare system, black women are more likely to be uninsured and start prenatal care later. Um, and then they're more likely to have other con- conditions like obesity, diabetes, and hypertension that cause complications during birth. Um, a lot of that is, again, related to environments, related to structural factors, related mm-hmm. to access to healthcare. Um, and then the biases that we experience in the medical system don't help at all and make things worse 
exacerbates these problems. Um, the fact that uh, medical providers are more likely to devalue and disrespect us. Um, and, you know, like that's the Serena Williams example is that, you know, she had the access, she had the, the environment and the access to healthcare, and then getting even into the hospital, she's being disrespected. Um, so there are levels to the mm -hmm. problem and um, they do all lead back to racism and sexism, the kind of mm -hmm. the intersection of racism and sexism that black women experience and then is expressed in our maternal health outcomes. Um, yeah. Um, and just the stress from everyday racism, microaggressions, all of that negatively affects our health and it puts black mothers at a higher risk for morbidity and mortality. So it's a very big problem in our country. Um, a lot of people have been talking about it lately, thankfully, but we still need to uh, move forward. We need some solutions and we need to see better outcomes. Um, and we have to advocate and fight for ourselves. And today, Black Health, we wanna raise awareness uh, by having a conversation with Rose from Black Mamas Matter Alliance. Um, and she's just doing amazing work in this space um, with this organization that's really spearheading the movement for black mothers and reproductive justice. Uh, so I wanna thank Rose so much for being here with us today. And I will go ahead and, and give you guys some background on who she is. So Rose Aka James is a program coordinator at the Black Mamas Matter Alliance. It's a cross-sectoral alliance based in Atlanta and it's led by black women to advocate, drive research, build power, and shift culture for black maternal health, rights, and justice. Rose has a bachelor's degree in psychology from St. John's University and a master's in public health from New York University, NYU. While at NYU, Rose worked with doctors and researchers in Accra, Ghana to improve HIV AIDS testing and education for pregnant women at government hospitals. And in addition, as she mentioned, Rose has a two-year-old son. And as a black mama herself, the epidemic of black maternal health and child mortality is one that hits close to home and it drives her passion to do this work. So right now, uh, Rose is getting ready to kick off Black Maternal Health Week. It is a week of awareness, activism, and community building led by Black Mamas Matter. Black Maternal Health Week begins on April 11th, which is also the International Day for Maternal Health and Rights, and it goes until April 17th. Black women-led organizations around the country will be holding local events all week, and I will put a link in the show notes where you can check out all the events by state. Um, so yeah, thank you so much, Rose, for joining us today. Um, and before we get into the work of Black Mamas Matter and talk more about Black Maternal Health Week, is there anything I missed in your background? And do you just want to tell us how you got into this work and became connected to Black Mamas Matter? Yeah, sure. Thank you so much for having me on. I really love Black Cows and I love all the work that you all do. And it's great to always connect with you and have these types of conversations. Yeah. So I've always had an interest in maternal and child health, but in undergrad and post-undergrad, my main area of research was HIV AIDS um, testing in young African-American men. And during grad school, I really wanted to focus my degree on maternal and child health. And mm -hmm. I had the chance to really dive deep and learn more about this field during my six months spent in Ghana, working as a global health intern in the maternity ward at a government hospital, as you had mentioned in my bio. 
And it was through my work there and also while starting my master's thesis that I really dug into the data and um, saw, you know, what was happening here in the U.S. in the maternal health landscape and then also globally as mm -hmm. well and how behind the U.S. is for a major industrialized country to have these really poor uh, maternal mortality rates, specifically amongst black women. Mm -hmm. And so I was really shocked and... Um, I was really, and at the time too, I was also pregnant um, mm -hmm. while going through grad school. So it was a very personal experience for me. Um, when I left Ghana, I came back to Atlanta to finish up my degree online. So the experience of becoming a mama myself and learning about this new informational, this information, it really made me, you know, question like, you know, how can this all be different? And why are black women going through this in the US? And, you know, the answer boils down to racism, um, you know, the way that we're disrespected in health spaces, health mm -hmm. service delivery spaces. And, you know, I really wanted to get involved with an organization or in some way with people who are doing this work. And um, that's how I became connected with Black Mamas Matter Alliance. I had a friend who send me the posting for the position that I'm in right now and I happened to apply and I got the job. So, <laughs> so that's a little bit how I got into this work and um, so far it's been it's been really amazing to learn from um, you know the people that I work with. Black Mamas Matter Alliance is led by two incredible um, black women, mm -hmm. Angela Dolinsola Aina, who's the co-director here in um, Atlanta, and then Elizabeth Dawes Gay, which is who's in Washington, D.C. And the way the structure of, of the organization is we work, we are a national-based organization, and we work with um, 29 existing black women-led community-based organizations in 14 states around the country. And we have 25 collaborators who are professors, OBGYNs, mm -hmm. just black women who are very committed wow. to changing the narrative of black maternal health in mm -hmm. the U.S. using a reproductive justice and birth justice framework. Mm -hmm. And so it's been really great to, you know, um, learn from these women and be a part of a community of people who deeply care about, you know, black mamas and what is going on. And I think... Um, we had, in the beginning of the conversation, you had talked about how, you know, black women are not listened to. And so, mm -hmm. but Black Mamas Not Alliance, our motto is to listen to black women, mm -hmm. invest in black women, and trust black women to know that we know how to fix our health. Mm -hmm. you know? Right. We have the answers <laughs> yeah. in, you know, improving our health outcomes. And so, um, like you had mentioned, um, Paula, Black Mamas Matter Alliance is a black woman-led cross-sectoral cross alliance. And we really, the term black mamas, we really like to define this because people just assume that it's just, you know, a heterosexual black woman. But no, mm -hmm. we define black mamas um, as um, the full diversity of our lived experience that includes birthing persons. This is cis black women, trans folks, gender non-conforming individuals, and all people of African descent. So that's Afro-Latin um, mm. African-American, Afro-Caribbean, Black, and African immigrant mm. because we realized that um, the experience, all these people experience different types of reproductive oppression just mm -hmm. because of the fact that they are from African descent or they have come from other minority backgrounds such as being trans mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. from the LGBTQI community. Mm -hmm. So um, we really stress um, 
really get that out to the public that our term black moms is very yeah. all inclusive mm-hmm. and um I love that. Yeah. 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 So our work is grounded in human rights, birth and reproductive um justice frameworks. And the goals of the organization are to change policy by introducing um, policy grounded in the human rights framework that addresses black maternal health inequity and improves black maternal health outcomes. And to cultivate research by leveraging the talent um, and knowledge that exists in black communities mm-hmm. to create innovative research methods to inform the policy agenda to improve black maternal health and really advance care for black mamas by um, introducing holistic and comprehensive approaches to black mama's care Mm -hmm. and when we talk about you know care and black mamas it's not just during pregnancy we really stress the full reproductive health stress um health spectrum and what um you know we were talking about post um pregnant pre-pregnancy during pregnancy and after pregnancy and pre-pregnancy includes access to um information on health health education and reproductive health services access to sti testing yeah. access to um you know family planning mm-hmm. or you know or contraceptives mm-hmm. and that really starts from you know teenage before teen the teenage early teenage years before even becoming pregnant or you know having children or whatever the case might be so um we really advocate for the full spectrum of reproductive health care and what that really means for um, people of color right. yeah and then also shift culture and that's a major thing that yeah. we've been able to do um, since black mama's matter alliance came into existence in 2016 is you know contribute to um, the national media on this conversation on black maternal health and really approach it from a way that's not just looking at um, black people as victims all the time Mm -hmm. or us being you know um you know weak or not unable Mm -hmm. to fend for ourselves it's really from perspective of resilience you Mm -hmm. know and like we have the answers we have the knowledge and we are able to you know have a seat at the table and really tell you what our communities need to improve health outcomes for um black maternal health and so like I said, BMMA, BMMA is comprised of um, a national network of community-based organizations, which are kindred partners, and then we also have our collaborators. And our main goal with our law members is to increase the visibility of black women-led leaders, cultivate a deep bench of black women leaders recognized for their expertise, con- contribution, and work, and to support more effective collaboration of stakeholders working to advance black maternal health. So we do a lot of work here in Georgia. We um, are in the Georgia um, PQC, which is mm-hmm. the, Georgia, the Georgia Perinatal Quality Collaborative. Collab, <laughs> excuse me. Um, and, you know, we really sit on these boards to really in, listen to what is going on mm-hmm. and to inform them of, you know, what our community mm-hmm. really needs and mm-hmm. make sure that, you know, whatever they're doing is culturally informed by, you know, the experience of black folks. And then also it's coming from a a perspective that's um, respectful of black Mm -hmm. women and then also Mm -hmm. takes into our full lived experiences and, you know, the different types of, you know, 
oppressions that we face. You know, Audre Lorde also says we don't live single issue lives. Like no. people right. are black mm-hmm. and from the LGBTQI community, mm-hmm. people are black and immigrants. So yeah. what? How does that experience? impact their reproductive yeah. health mm-hmm. and access to reproductive care. And so we really work to bring that perspective um, to public health here in Atlanta and then also through our partners throughout the, um, the whole of the U.S. Great. Wow. Thank you so much for that <laughs> uh, really, really in-depth introduction into yourself and Black Mamas Matter Alliance. Um, yeah, I want to know a little bit more about some of the work of Black Mamas Matter, like some of the projects. I know there's a toolkit. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about pushing forward on policies. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I I forgot exactly what it was, but it was a talk that I went to where Kwajalein was speaking. And she talked about um, there are there's some guidance around how to make uh, the birthing experience uh, better for black women that mm-hmm. I think Black Women's Matter has published. So I want to hear a little bit more about yeah, that, those so, things. Um, Quadlin Jackson is one of our advisory committee members, and we love her so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so in the past three to four years, Black Women's Matter Lab has been really active in um, you know speaking with national uh, media and you know contributing to work at different conferences. But then we've also released, you know, our own BMMA products to really guide the way people work in health systems across the country. Mm-hmm. And so one of those things I think you're referring to um, is called the Black Paper. And the Black oh, Paper yeah. um, really lays down the framework for holistic principles to work for and with um, black maternal health, black mamas um, mm-hmm. and black maternal health. And what that does basically is provides a framework for providers to um, listen to black women, mm-hmm. involve black women, black mamas mm-hmm. in you know, their health care and really make sure that black, black women have a seat at the table when there's health care discussions and health care policy discussions that directly impact their communities. So we have the, pol- the um, black paper, which has the standards for holistic care principles. Okay. And then um, also released uh, uh, the Black Mamas Matter Alliance um, Toolkit, mm-hmm. which is on our, all these resources are on our website at www.blackmamasmatter.org. Mm-hmm. Um, you can click on the resources tab. Um, we have the Black Mamas Matter Toolkit, which basically lays the framework, um, a human rights-based framework for states to improve care for black mamas. Mm-hmm. And that's um, we have different recommendations from dealing with interpersonal violence and black mom- respectful care for black mamas, um, expansion of Medicaid and how important that is for yeah. um, marginalized communities who don't have access to adequate health insurance. So that's, um, that's one of our major um, resources. And then recently in December, we just uh, released the Policy Priorities Agenda which lays out um, several priorities for um, policy in advancing black maternal um, health and care for black mamas. So all these resources are on our website, um, and they really um, look at this issue from a reproductive justice perspective. Mm -hmm. And what um, the reproductive justice framework, which is defined by Sister Song, basically um, tells us is that 
all black mamas have the human right to maintain personal bodily autonomy, mm-hmm. have children, not have children, and parent the children that they have in safe and sustainable communities. Mm-hmm. And what we, what RJ really, um, achieving RJ for black mamas requires us to really analyze power systems and eradicate gendered, sexualized, and racialized reproductive policies, policies in the U.S. So an example of this is, um, you know, there's 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 policies in certain states which seek to pressure black mamas to use long-acting reversible contraceptives or LARCs as we know it as a means of controlling their reproduction and a, and a um, proposed solution to poverty. And those policies don't affect white women mm. in the same way. And yeah. so we get back to this issue of trying to control black women's reproduction um, mm-hmm. in the name of public health, mm-hmm. in the name of, you know... Oh my God, as I've a, been thinking about that a lot. As a like very... Mark, yeah, as, as a, being problematic. Yeah, as a mm-hmm. very problematic yeah. solution to poverty when yeah. that is not the yeah, case, yeah. you know? And so that's, you know, that's one framework of RJ and how we have to remove those power systems. And then even we can just think about, you know, the real, recent passing of HB 481 here in Georgia or just... Similar laws, the heartbeat laws that have been going on in different states across the U.S., and how that is also, you know, a blatant form of reproductive oppression against mm-hmm. not just black mamas, but all women, yeah. all birthing persons in general. And so that's, you know, one of the things that RJ um, advocates for and why we like to use this framework, because then we think about the intersection of race, classism, you know, yeah. all mm-hmm. the different types of oppressions that people face in this country. And then how we, um, RJ also advocates for how we, um, how these intersection oppressions impact one another. So like being black and a woman or mm-hmm. being black and trans, like mm-hmm. I said, or being black and um, an immigrant to mm-hmm. this country, like an African immigrant and how those oppressive experiences impact our, you know, reproductive um, health. And um, so I think a lot of people also sometimes we get even I'm sure with y'all, why just black health? Why does black health matter? Why do yeah. only black mamas matter? Mm. <laughs> well, we, you know, our, the RJ framework, and we also like to advocate and say that when you center the most marginalized mm-hmm. in society yes. and those who are most <laughs> impacted yeah. by maternal I can't stop. I'm trying to snap. <laughs> <that. laughs> We're all trying to snap into You know, when you, yes. you really start from the bottom up and you center the most marginalized, it improves outcomes for yeah, everybody, exactly. you know, and I think yes. it's not just to say that, you know, white women aren't dying from maternal mortality because they are. Yes. There's this issue is going on in rural hospitals mm-hmm. all across mm-hmm. country closing down. And, you know, what is, you know, the U.S. maternal mortality rate is bad in general, yeah. you know. And yeah. so, but if we really want to tackle this issue, we really have to start from the mm-hmm. bottom up. Yeah. And I think... One thing that some people like to think about, so what, why is this important to the av- average day person and uh, why shouldn't anyone care? Like, black maternal mortality is not a disease, you know? Mm-hmm. We don't need to wait mm-hmm. years for research studies to test the efficacy of a vaccine mm-hmm. or wait for a pharmaceutical company, company to develop the newest drug to save black mamas. We have the tools and answers to start making real change for black women and girls right now. And it really doesn't have to be this way. Um, this crisis is fueled by racism, we know, discrimination, neglect, reproductive oppression, and a lack of access to comprehensive health care. 
And um, I'm sure you all know you have your new shirt saying "Health is a Human Right," yeah. Yeah. and um, you know, <laughs> black, you know, not ha- having a safe, respectful birth is a human right. It really and, is. Yes. You know, in the, the world that we live in today, it should be, you know a very fundamental thing that everybody should value. And we know maternal mortality is used internationally as an indicator of development and the quality of healthcare mm-hmm. system. So if we're not, you know, taking care of black women black mamas here in the US and like, you know, white women who also suffer from mm-hmm. these inequities where, what does our health system look like? And what do ge- future generations Horrible. look like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, yeah. Yeah, and yeah it's, we it's, need to be doing better. Yeah, we yeah. need to be doing better. We need to be doing a lot better. Like, the maternal mortality rates of black women in the U.S. has remained relatively the same for almost 50 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and so it's not like we are waiting for something, you know? We have the answers now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at BMA, we really believe that the crisis, you know, answers to this crisis lies in the leadership and knowledge of black women-led community-based organizations who work with and for black mamas and they're providing services like health education, preconception counseling, prenatal and postpartum care, their doulas, community Mm -hmm. midwives, lactation consultants, postpartum mental health advocates, support systems, and also public health professionals. And they have been in existence way before BMMA came into existence Mm -hmm. and just They've been on the ground doing this work. It's just they don't necessarily always have the resources or the platforms, you know, Mm -hmm. to really make this work um, impactful on a bigger level. And so what we serve is a, you know, a coordinating entity to really uplift these um, black women-led organizations. And we believe black women have the answers, you know. We know we have the answers and historically if we want to think about you know black midwives used mm. to birth the majority of American babies yeah. and they were faced out by you know racist and discriminatory laws mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's a whole combination of things but this issue can be dealt with and we are working at Black Moms Matter Alliance to really you know push for our black women leadership to be at the helm of this yeah. because that's how we're going to make real sustainable change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I was going to, you just mentioned doulas and I was going to ask if you could kind of explain like what is a doula and what's their role in the birthing system and all the different people you might encounter in that system. Yeah. Oh, and can I piggyback off of that by mm-hmm. saying, so, you know, I think traditionally people think of having birthers, you go to a hospital, you have a baby. Mm-hmm. And so, how does Black Mamas Matters really inform people as to other options they may have mm-hmm. for their birthing process? Okay, cool. So a doula is a, um, a birth support worker. Mm-hmm. They're not a medical professional. They basically um, equip the, the, the mother or the birthing person with knowledge and support about the pre- their pregnancy. Or um, We even have, let me make this clear, we have full-spectrum doulas. So doulas who deal with people who are having miscarriages, people who mm-hmm. are, had an abortion or choosing mm-hmm. to have an abortion. So mm-hmm. doulas provide a whole plethora of you know, services, not just when people mm-hmm. are pregnant or yeah. going to have a baby. Okay. You know, They're wow. really a support system to help people deal with this emotionally, mm-hmm. um, help them navigate health systems, and help them deal with the, you know, the process after and before 
choosing to have a child, not having a child, or terminating a pregnancy, or having a pregnancy terminated through something like miscarriage. Yeah. And so doulas are really influential right now as a you know as a frontline solution to this mm-hmm. black maternity maternal mortality crisis that we have here in the U.S. Specifically, doulas who are birth who are versed in birth and reproductive justice um, framework, and birth justice really advocates that um, you know all birthing persons should have the ability to birth in a way that is respectful of their choices, mm-hmm. respectful of you know what they want for themselves as birthing people, and you know it's also a human rights based um, framework and along with you know using that with RJ you really see the person as a whole individual and you think about their whole lived experience mm-hmm. and how that's impacting you know what they're going through right now mm-hmm. and so doulas are really influential and um, uh, we advocate for as a first line solution to um, the black maternal mortality crisis here in the US and we also have a new resource that was released by one of our partners Ancient Song Dual Services in, um, in Brooklyn, New York. It's on our website under resources. You can learn more about um, advancing mat- black maternal health, black maternal health care through doulas and a doula-based model of care. That resource is on our website if you want to find out more information. And I think your question, Gabby, was... Mm-hmm. Um, Just about in general, like, you know, so if you don't necessarily want to go into a healthcare system mm-hmm. to have your child, mm-hmm. what does that look like and what resources can Black Mamas Matters either provide or, like, give some advice as to what other options you have? Mm-hmm. I think, so we're not a, a service provider right. ourselves, but mm-hmm. um, people, the kinder partners in the organization mostly are and mm-hmm. our collaborators are too. And so we really um, push for, you know, people being informed about their options. Um, Mm -hmm. Midwives, midwives have been saving and catching babies since the beginning of time. um, Most people who have um, very low risk pregnancies are able to go to have a midwife to deliver their baby versus an OBGYN. And that's not to say that an OBGYN, you shouldn't go to that. I'm not saying Mm -hmm. that at all, but... um, you know, if you don't have serious complications or things like that, a midwife is an option. It's a more less, for some people, less medicalized approach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or when I was pregnant, for my own personal experience with my son, I had a midwife. Okay. Um, because I didn't have um, any complications that would make me a high-risk pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And I delivered in a hospital, um, actually North Fulton here in Roswell, with a midwife. And my birth was very gentle. I had a water birth. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so I was able to, I was, um, my midwife was from the beginning, um, was very, you know, attentive to my needs and mm-hmm. what I needed. Um, um, but sometimes, you know, it's good to also have a doula in that process. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had a, a water birth in the hospital at North Fulton Hospital in Roswell. And, um, you know, it was one of the greatest experiences that I had. It was a very gentle birth. Mm-hmm. And, I was still able to give birth freely, mm-hmm. but in the hospital setting in case I okay. wanted something to happen. Mm-hmm. But that's not the only option. People sometimes give birth at home mm-hmm. with community, with midwives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and there's some people, there's another birthing center here in Atlanta called the Atlanta Medical um, Center, which also provides um, water births yeah. um, in mm-hmm. the hospital setting. Okay. So people, people prefer to give birth at home. People give birth in the hospital. I think for us, it's not for us to be able to tell people 
how to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. go about their maternity care when or what method to choose to. It's just more letting you know that um, there's people who can help you. Right. Whatever yeah. path Options you choose. Available. And, yeah. okay. Really advocate for doulas, and, you mm-hmm. know, and that especially in today as, you know, when black women are being disrespected and, you know, dealing with obstet- obstetric violence and not being heard or um, listened to by mm-hmm. their um doctors and OBGYNs when they're um, seeking any reproductive health service, not just during the birthing process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if people are looking for different options and resources, is that something they can get from the resources tab on you all's page? Or um, so um, we don't necessarily have like a full directory of okay. you know right. what you can your birthing options are, mm-hmm. but if you go onto our website www.blackmamasmatter.org um, and you click on the partners page, we have many different partners in okay. fourteen states across the U.S. Many of them um, provide full spectrum doula services, mm-hmm. um, and some of them provide full on midwifery services. Okay. And so, and then some of them also provide, um, reproductive health services. So abortion care, um, miscarriage care, mm-hmm. um, just health education and access to contraceptives and testing for STIs and things like that. So on our partners page, if you click on the different logos, you'll be able to see what okay. each organization does. And mm-hmm. if they're in your local area, you can um, contact them. Great. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Black Maternal Health Week. Can you tell us about it and what should people be looking forward to? Yeah, so Black Maternal Health Week is coming up. We've been gearing up, working really hard to, you know, make this a really exciting week. So this is the second annual Black Maternal Health Week. Mm-hmm. The first Black Maternal Health Week was led and created by Black Mamas Matter Alliance last year in 2018. And really, um, Black Maternal Health Week, or hashtag BMHW, this year's 19, as we like to call it, um, (laughs) takes place every year from April 11th to the 17th. And we we pick these dates because the month of April is recognized in the U.S. as National Minority Health Month. Mm -hmm. And then additionally, BMMA, um, you know, stands with the global movement for the U.N. to recognize April 11th as the International Day for Maternal health and rights so that's why we started april 11th and it's a black maternal health week is a week of awareness activism and community building for black mamas um and we really during this week we have a national digital campaign and the goal is really to just you know organize people to shift the conversation about black maternal health highlight the work of black women-led organizations that are yeah. working with and for black mamas and just to, you know, keep putting the message out there in a fun and a digital way. And so people can get involved by, again, going to our website. Um, there's a tab at the top that says Black BMHW. Mm-hmm. If you click on that tab, you'll see um, information about um, how to engage online by using the hashtag BMHW19. And then you'll see a list of local events that are happening with um, that are led by our kindred partners through different states in the U.S. So I think right now we have some events in California, um, Texas, New York, New Jersey. We're still putting up events, but you can look and see if there's some stuff going on in your local area. We're also pushing people to really support bla- any black woman-led organization that's working okay. with and for black mamas mm-hmm. um, during this week. 
We also have a national week of events, an, a national online week of events. Um, we have several webinars. Mm. Um, this year's theme is decolonizing research to inform and advance um, Black maternal health policy. Love it. So, <laughs> we'll have, <laughs> so we'll have webinars. Webinars are based on that. Um, you can again go to www.blackmamasmatter.org and click on Black Maternal Health Week, and you'll also be able to sign up for the webinars on there. So as like a, a lay citizen who's really interested in the topic, you think that's probably the best way that they could really get into and learn more information and, and be helpful to Black Moms Matter. Like I'm just an everyday person. I yeah, and it's not just, you know, just helpful to, to us, but, you know, just as an everyday person, how to even get involved in right. this work, you know, it's like even with y'all, the events that you do, just showing up, coming to learn, you know, mm-hmm. about what is going on in our communities and you know, when you're empowered with information, you're better able to advocate for yourself and then also people around you. Mm-hmm. And also donating, investing in black mm-hmm. women and just black-led organizations yes. in general. You know, yeah. like, you know, buy some Black Health Matter sweatshirts, right. you know. <laughs> you know, get on our website, donate to Black yeah. Mamas yeah. Matter Alliance, mm-hmm. look at our kinder partners in your area, you know, support them when they're doing work because, yes. you know, um, we really, like I said, we really have the answers mm-hmm. in our community based organizations who are working with people that look like us mm-hmm. going through similar things that us on you know on a local level right and you know and you know they don't have the necessarily always have the resources or the platforms to really expand their work or sustain their work mm-hmm. so it's really important just become informed donate you know spend some time learning about these issues and donate and support you know it's really important yeah, no, I totally agree with you that I think, like, when we do events and stuff, sometimes I I think people probably feel like, well, what does this have to do with me? Exactly. Or, like, you, you know, just like, oh, this is some, like, you know, very specific health topic yeah. and whatever. Or I think just, it's just <laughs> scary, to, I think, to the average person that, like, I know this is a huge deal and has a big impact on my life and I just don't know what to do mm-hmm. about it. Yes. Like, yes. so. Yeah, particularly black maternal health. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. yeah. We kind of do more, like, targeted health, like, with our Ask a Doctor and stuff. But I will just say to that point, like, everybody who comes has such a great, unique perspective. Mm-hmm. So what you're saying about, like, we have the answers mm-hmm. within us, mm-hmm. like, it's so important that we show up to these events mm-hmm. um, and contribute and really learn something because you don't know what you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. So right. you come and you learn, you learn how it's applicable to you mm-hmm. and then what you can actually do, like, mm-hmm. to make steps to improve, uh, to start solving this problem. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I do, like, our tagline is educate, engage, empower, and Mm -hmm. I do think, like, just learning, like, educating yourself on a topic is, like, the first step to, like, Mm -hmm. feeling, like, empowered to do... Yeah, and then also (laughs) investing, and that means investing your time and your money, Mm -hmm. because, you know, big, huge funds are not necessarily always funding this work, or this is not necessarily on their radar Mm -hmm. if you're not, like, a huge national organization Mm -hmm. with a lot of resources already. So I think it's really important for our community to just show up for ourselves, you know, and Mm -hmm. really invest in ourselves and realize that, like, you know, we have a lot of the answers we need to solve, you know, many of the issues that plague black and brown people here in the U.S., not just maternal mortality but many other issues so i think it's really important um for us to 
put that out there and for people to black black folks to really realize that like you know we're empowered i think sometimes in public health and in medicine we we're always like you know impacted negatively by something but how about yeah. we change that narrative and be like you know we are resilient mm-hmm. despite despite mm-hmm. these health disparities despite mm-hmm. you know what they say about us or despite you know um you know what we've been through historically here in the u.s as people we are still resilient and yeah. that resilience yeah. comes in the form of black health matters yeah. black mamas yeah. matter alliance yes. and so many other community-based black-led and black yes. women-led organizations who are doing this work despite all the you know the barriers that are against yeah. us yeah yeah and i definitely just to piggyback off of that like Black women have been leading social justice movements, or <laughs> uh, the brain power behind them. Um, in terms, I love like what you said about like black midwives, uh, like black nurses mm-hmm. have been so critical to like our health and healthcare system. Um, black hospitals. We have an article on our uh, Black Health blog about like the history of like black run hospitals and mm-hmm. um yeah like just in terms of like the uh health and health related workforce and community health workers lay health workers like we have really driven that so yeah we do have we have the key dj yeah. Khaled voice <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, so I'll definitely be checking out some Black Maternal Health Week events. Yeah, Um, yeah, it would be really great to go to a webinar, go to an event here in Atlanta, all of that good stuff. So, um, yeah, so normally on our podcast when it's like the four Black Health co-founders, we do like a hot topics section, which I think I'm stealing from the read by calling it hot topics. (laughs) But like, we do like our like current events section and stuff, so like... There's a current event going on right now in Georgia that I just wanted to talk about with everybody and get everyone's opinion to weigh in on. And it is this, uh, it's a bill that was just passed in Georgia, uh, HB 481. Um, it's the called the Living Infants. <laughs> we were just talking about how we hate this <laughs> the title of it. But <laughs> it's, like, it's like hard for me not to laugh while reading it. Living Infants Fairness and Equality Act, uh, a.k.a. Life Act. Um, Yeah, so it was passed by the House, um, and it's now heading to Governor Kemp to sign into law, which I think he said that he will sign it into law. Um, And so the bill, let's see, um, it's a bill that uh, bans abortion, Uh, once a fetal heartbeat has been detected um, and also it recognizes fetuses as natural persons who qualify for state income tax deductions and (laughs) (laughs) Khadija's whole body reacts and recognizes fetuses as natural persons Mm -hmm. who qualify for state income tax deductions and state population based determinations AKA representatives, right? Is that what that means? Like state population based? Is that like, like how like uh, voting like areas are drawn, and then like 
how many representatives. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. That's a that's whole about. lot for a psycho. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I know, like, yeah. your representatives and, like, the House of Representatives is based on state populations. Right, it is. Yeah. yeah so, like. I think this is thinking more of, like, legally these uh, unborn persons have rights now. And so, you know, they can be defended in, I guess, like, a, like a court of law, essentially. Okay, so let me just, yeah. Okay, so there's this there's this uh, site and actually I'll, I'll include the link to this this because it's, it's really just telling like what the bill is about it's not even like opinion mm-hmm. or it anything like the that legalese. yeah it just um explains it exactly so personhood the bill would amend state law to define natural person to mean any human being including an unborn child the bill would include embryos and fetuses and state population-based determinations the bill would amend the state tax code to redefine dependent to allow a fetus at any stage of development to qualify as a dependent minor. So does that mean I get extra money? I was going to say, tax can we be yeah. yeah, so that might be why some people, some people might like it it's for that one reason. But, um, yeah. And then the heartbeat abortion ban aspect of it. Um Except in cases of medical emergency, no abortion may be performed or attempted to be performed unless the physician performing the procedure has first made a determination of the presence of a human heartbeat. Right. Um, and it has like a no, a fetal heartbeat can be detected as early as six weeks of pregnancy, which is two weeks after a person's first missed period and well before many people even realize that they are pregnant. Right. Uh, then the bill would prohibit abortion when a fetus has been determined to have a heartbeat unless the pregnancy is diagnosed as medically futile or except when the abortion is necessary to avert the death of the pregnant person or you know avert serious risk of health issues um, necessary to preserve the life of the fetus or because of a pregnancy at 20 weeks or earlier is the result from rape or incest and that offense had to have been reported to law enforcement to qualify. Mm. So if I tell you that I'm having my brother's baby at 25 weeks, you I'm have just, to have that baby. Right. Yeah. Um, did you report it to the police? Also, I know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think this is so. Um, this is such a blatant form of reproductive oppression because yes. even thinking of like from my own experience, I didn't know I was pregnant until I was like 11, 12 weeks mm. in the game. Which is you most know? people. Yeah. Which is most people. Yeah. So like, all right. So yeah. And then at that point, I just think of you know people who are victims of rape, mm-hmm. incest, or just women who are not ready for yeah, a child. child. Yeah. And you put this, um, this is a, a burden, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and you want to talk about controlling reproduction through larks and things like yeah. that. Yeah. And then right. you want to have the adverse, you know, reaction with a bill like this. I think it's, um, it's the times that we live in is, you know, it's, it's 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 very scary for women to our reproductive lives to be controlled in mm-hmm. this aspect, mm-hmm. um, particularly for people who have no idea what it is to you know right. have you know even be pregnant or you know go mm-hmm. through the things that women go through. And, right. Yeah. So it's it's 
I mean, I, our kindred partners, Sister Song, Women of Color, Reproductive, Just, Reproductive Collective, Reproductive Justice Collective, mm-hmm. and Feminist Women's Health Center, you know, while this was going on, I'm staying in touch with their social media and just watching them in the office, yeah. like, really head to the Capitol and fight so mm-hmm. hard mm-hmm. against mm-hmm. these bills and to see it pass here in Georgia just by one vote, you know? Wow. Yeah. But, you know, the fight is not over. Like, you know, it's we, not. we keep it's not. pushing and I think um, we keep putting women's rights, rights and reproductive health rights for all, you know, at the forefront of, you know, our agenda, especially in public health and especially as it relates to people color Mm -hmm. in this country Mm -hmm. yeah and i just think like you know with maternal mortality being as high as it is generally Mm -hmm. and specifically even worse for black american women like we should be able to choose whether we want to um you know take a, a birth to term um you know, by forcing, I just feel like by forcing women to do that, essentially, you know, effectively forcing them to do that, effectively banning abortion, mm-hmm. you are, like, like, legislating murder, like, of, in a way, like, deaths of black women. Because, like, a woman yeah. who would choose to have an abortion is a, probably a woman, you know, at most times, like, that, that population of people probably skews more towards people who have less resources, you know, who, like, for whatever reason, don't want to bring a child right. into the world for, you know, all these various factors, but I'm sure those various factors also contribute to, you know, poor maternal health outcomes as well, and so, yeah, I don't know, it just, to me, it's really, um, it's fucked up. Yeah. I don't know if you were taking your thought that far, but I will say, oh, as far as I was thinking, yeah. is, I think this will make mortality worse. Yeah. yeah. And I, I was thinking more of the, uh, the case where, you know, the vast majority of women aren't finding out until like kind of the end of their first trimester that they're even pregnant. Mm-hmm. And then they, I just feel like if a woman wants an abortion and it's desperate enough, she's going to get it. Yeah. yeah. So, it really, yeah. It really yeah. Yeah. So like, true. you know, how we have these issues with, and even still in some states where, people are getting unsafe mm-hmm. backdoor abortions. Right, and so which I is think even that'll skyrocket. Which is even more dangerous, it will. Right. you know. Um, I just think of globally, in countries where abortions are banned altogether, yeah, mm-hmm. they have such high, you know, mm. rates of backdoor abortion mm-hmm. and people suffering from complications from mm-hmm. life and a burdened health system dealing with, with right. you know, these um, complications mm-hmm. and the repercussions of Oppressing reproductive mm-hmm. health. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. And then I also think about, you know, when you were reading Paula about, um, you know, reporting abuse, you know, or an incident to mm-hmm. the police mm-hmm. and having that report as a right. means to exactly. justify. Yeah. Yes. It takes people years, years. Yeah. to be able to come <laughs> to, right. you know, have the strength to speak about. Right. Being abused yeah, or that's being a whole raped, other barrier, you know? right? That's that a whole nother barrier. barrier. People wait 5, 10, 15. People live with that shame forever, yeah. you know? Yeah. And then I think for me, especially the rape thing is terrible and it's all, but the incest thing is something that is widely recognized across, you know, everyone in the United States that that is not okay. Don't do, you know, don't have sexual relations with your family members. Like, that's not good. <laughs> and so that the idea that because I didn't report it, like, even if I could prove later on, you know, you get a DNA test on your baby, and it's like, okay, this is you, and someone related to your child, you still have to have 
the, the baby. baby. Like that <laughs> right. just I just don't understand yeah, yeah. how that is a thing. And the other thought I was having, just unrelated to how I think this will increase, you know, um, backdoor abortions, is the idea that we don't do a good job at all in Georgia, just in the United States in general, in getting this information when policy changes happen mm. out to people. So I'm thinking of all the women who aren't even going to know exactly. that this has occurred. Yeah. Mm. And so like if the yeah. even wow. if they f- know very early that they, you know, don't want to have a baby, that is so true. if they have no idea this happens, they're going to try to seek someone out. Yeah. yeah, and then find out, well, it's too late now because this law, that this house yeah. bill exists that you weren't aware of. And so... Yeah. Yeah. So I was wondering, like, just I guess the four of us, like, what are some things that we think someone could do to like fight this? And so I mean, like, the ACLU is going to sue the state. And I mean, by the time this podcast is posted, um, you know, the bill might have been signed into law and everything. And I haven't checked today. I don't know actually where. Yeah, I think it goes into effect next year. Oh, not it goes into effect next year. Yeah. Okay. So I, I okay. think I'm. Not 100% sure, but I think it doesn't go into effect. Okay, yeah. so it's like some buffer time. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I know the ACLU, because there are some other, I don't know exactly which states, but there are some other states that have been passing bills like this, and the ACLU yeah. has been fighting all of There's them. There's about in 18, Ohio, um, yeah. Illinois, okay, yeah, yeah, some states that yeah. are going through similar battles. And most of the South. Yeah, yeah, but even if, like, I mean, with the way our Supreme Court is set up, <laughs> It's like, you know, they're like really talking about like overturning like Roe v. Wade and like how that's a real possibility and stuff. So I don't know like where these court battles are going to go. So, you know, if we can't rely on the government and the political Mm -hmm. system to like, you know, swoop in in at the last moment and save the day. I mean, how do women like living, you know, like live like this and what do they do like with this being the mandate that they have to live under? Um, Is it a thing of like... I don't pregnancy tests for all like everybody yeah. <laughs> pregnancy tests if you have unprotected, unprotected sex like right. pee on a stick every day for like the next week like yeah I don't know like uh, yeah I don't I don't know if like Black Mamas Matter like has strategies for things like this like like when you talk about resilience like like what are what what do women do to be resilient I think um from from the perspective of Black Mamas Matter Alliance. Just and you know when we think about our reproductive lives and the things that improduct impact our reproductive lives it's when we look at so like when we think of the reproductive justice um framework which really advocates for looking at people's lives in um looking at people's lives in perspective of all the different kinds of oppressions that they Mm -hmm. face Mm -hmm. and really organizing to um get freedom from all those oppressions and i think in recent years in general, you know, the power of protest here in the U.S. has mm-hmm. risen up, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement, the Women's mm-hmm. March, Women's mm-hmm. right, Rights March, you know. And I think, and even with the situation with, you know, when those executive orders, when um, immigrants mm-hmm. from different countries were, you know, put into place. And, you know, people really fought, they came did. out and fought mm-hmm. protests. And I even think about the recent situation, um... In New York City, where they had lost electricity, yeah, yeah, prisoners yeah. were, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. in the cold, and people really came out and lended their voice mm-hmm. and 
fought for the human rights of all. So I think, you know, in situations like this, we just keep fighting. We yeah. let, you know, we we keep, you know, writing and calling our legislators. We keep fighting for reproductive justice to be mm-hmm. actualized in this country. We keep, we don't sit back and accept the results as is. Mm-hmm. The U.S. has never worked like that. Real change in this country has always been made when we keep fighting mm-hmm. and we don't let things, you know, push us back or we are set back by laws that are, you know, politically based come mm-hmm. through. And so I think for a lot of states where this is going on, we keep talking about these issues. We keep, you know, advocating and we keep, you know, pushing forward our agenda to really, you know, put women's rights and reproductive health rights on the forefront um, of, you know, of all these um, government and local agendas. And so I think when um i think i don't know if this quote is by audrey lord um and somebody correct me if i'm wrong (laughs) but um i think it's um your silence will not protect you or Mm. is that the quote no, that's, I don't know, but that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I know y'all know. <laughs> Somebody Google and find out. But like, your silence will not protect <laughs> you, and it's true because yes. these yeah, laws exactly. still impact everybody. Yeah. You know, yeah. we don't just yeah. think, and then we don't just think about women like this impacts men too mm-hmm. you know and so like your silence will not protect that's audrey Lord. Audrey, okay yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you yeah, yeah but you know, right you know your silence will not protect yeah. you and i think we have an election coming up in 2020 yeah. y'all yeah. better get out there and yeah. vote yes. register really educate and yourself educate yourself new 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 candidates. Candidates that you're voting for you know yeah. Educate yourselves on these issues that are going on because when we don't vote in not just the presidential election, on our local no, elections, local like, you yeah. know, it's much more important we need to, to really, you know, make our voices heard. And you can't just sit at home and be like, oh, I'm yeah. just one vote. I don't matter. People literally losing elections by right. 300, yeah. 400,000 votes. And so yeah. it's really important to get out there. And if you have the ability to vote and you have the right to vote, yeah. you need to like, use that right. That is your voice. And the black um, women's health impaired, they have their voting scorecard mm-hmm. or report card. Yeah, and they're one of our kindred right. partners exactly. too. Yeah. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, so on that report card, you can literally like assess candidates based off their, like if they're addressing policy issues that mm-hmm. promote black women's health and wellness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so cool. And I was just going to add to that, like, much like research, um, people who run for office, a lot of that is, like, money and advocacy-based. So if you find a person who's running for office who has ideas that are in line with what you believe, especially for maternal health, advocate for that individual. Mm -hmm. Like, a lot of the laws that truly affect you aren't even at the national level. They're right. at your so, state right. level. Yeah. Yeah. So pay attention to your local yeah. race. Who is your mayor? Like, who are these people you're voting into your state, Senate, and House, and your or and then how they also represent you on that national level? Like that, those type of people matter. And so, if you find a candidate who's in line for you, like advocate for that person. Yeah, donate to their invest. Right. You know? Yeah, invest in their, invest campaign, in their campaign. Get the spread. Help spread the word about them through social yeah. media. Yeah, you. I think the power is in the people. That's the people yeah. in America, right? You know, right. The power. It's not like other countries where, you know, people are silenced yeah. for speaking their mind, or people don't have options of who to vote for. Power is in the people. So mm-hmm. we really, I think, 
when these laws come, it's you know it's heartbreaking. But I think right. it should be a, a it should set fuel to the exactly. fire. Yeah, it should be a really catalyst for work. Yeah, yeah, you know, get our yeah. get our asses moving. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So on on that note, um, we can end it with something more positive. Uh, you know, just related to what we've been talking about, like how important it is to go out and vote um, and advocate through your your vote. So. Um, there are some bills going around in other states, not Georgia, <laughs> that um, you know are, are working to improve Black maternal health, and it's because of this advocacy work, um, you know, that Black Mamas Matter Alliance is doing, and other their kindred partners organizations are doing nationally. Um, you know, really bringing this issue to the forefront, and and so there are people who are listening, and so um, in New Jersey. There's um, a bill that is that recently passed a bill um, where they're really encouraging like doula services. Mm-hmm. Um, they've deployed 40 doulas throughout the state to work with mothers to access health care. Um, and so just providing that like full emotional uh, support system. Um, and then they've also really been working on standardizing maternal health care so that you get less of those uh, disparate, like, treatment Mm -hmm. based on race. Like, when you are having a baby or, you know, going through that process, there's just, you know, there's a standard of care that everyone should get regardless of who they are. Um, So that's a bill uh, um, that was just passed um, in New Jersey. So also in Texas, they are working to expand Medicaid benefits for mothers. So they're working to expand Medicaid benefits for a full year um, and also using those benefits to support doula programs um, and requiring a curriculum on implicit bias and systemic inequities for healthcare That's practitioners. Really yeah. yeah, so these bills are under consideration mm-hmm. in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so so people are working on it, and so that's just like a little yeah. And even <laughs> on the national bill. level, there has been several bills. Um, the Mama Act, I think mm-hmm. it's Representative Robin Kelly um, pushing that forward. There's a lot of work still being done, and um, BMA also supports some um, legislators who are really working to bring the issue of Black and maternal health to the forefront. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know make some real change and I think you know for so long the US there hasn't been a standardized way of collecting maternal mortality data across mm. all states so some states um, I know DC just um, instituted their maternal mortality review community mm. MMRC and we really pushed for um, MMRCs to have make sure it be a requirement that black women are sitting on those boards you know mm-hmm. uh, you know there's you know that those boards be of have people of color and you know people in the community working with these um, populations on them because how are you going to be informed you know about what next steps to take if you're not bringing people who are directly on the ground in this so we really push for that Um, several states are um, establishing MMRCs Mm -hmm. and um, to collect data and make sure that data is um, really um, you know, rich and includes, you know, all types of different indicators and things mm-hmm. like that. And then I know that um, some of, a lot of our kindred partners are working 
very closely with legislators to establish maternal health task force mm-hmm. um, in different parts of the South, in Florida, mm-hmm. Texas. So there's, I mean, like I said, black women, black mamas are resilient. You know, <laughs> black people are resilient. And even when we get pushed down, we will find ways to build up and, mm-hmm. you know, get work done. Black mm-hmm. people have been getting work done since forever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like you were saying, Paul, there is hope and there are there is a lot of work being done. We are doing a lot of work internally and with our kindred partners to really... Um, change the narrative of black and maternal health in the U.S. and make sure that black mamas have the resources to thrive before, during, and after pregnancy. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, thank you so much, yeah. Rose. Thank you and for I having really, me. Yeah. I love you. I really <laughs> hope our listeners, like, enjoyed this conversation. Yeah. Um, it's really, really great to always, like, have, like, an expert come and say... Oh, I'm not an expert. I'm like, no, no. learning day by day and I'm just so fascinated and Look, you know like you taught me a lot like, like <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm very much a newbie to the space I'm so honored to work with incredible black women and black folks in general who are so versed in this mm-hmm. area yeah. and who have such just amazing perspectives. So yeah. I'm still learning. No, I, I, get, I feel like we're newbies to the space too, but mm-hmm. like we are going to be, you know, one day we'll be the... <laughs> The grown folks. Yeah, in this. So no, like, it's true. It's true. Yeah. It's true. So it's good that we're starting now. Yeah, and like yeah. working yeah. together now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So do you want to like tell the listeners how to support Black Mamas Matter Alliance, get involved, and just anything else about Black yeah? Mamas so you week? can like I keep saying, go on our website www.black. That's B L A C K Mamas M A M A S matter m-a-t-t-e-r dot org um you can read more about the work that we're doing you can um, look at our list of kindred partners um you also see tabs for black maternal house week and you can donate um we have a donate tab on there you can donate through paypal to the work to help fund the work that we do um you can also follow us on our social media on twitter we are at um, black B L B L K Mamas M A M A S Matter M A T T E R on IG and Facebook we are at Black Mamas Matter and that's B L A C K M A M A S M A T T E R the handful a mouthful but yeah you can follow us on our social media subscribe to our newsletter get informed on Black Maternal Health Week and all the events that we have going on. Awesome. And yeah, all of the links to everything Rose just said will be in our show notes. Um, And yeah, and so stay connected. Subscribe to the Black Health Podcast if you like what you heard today. Um, Also, as Rose plugged for us earlier, which was really great, um, (laughs) we do have Health is a Human Right shirts available for pre-order now. They are so cool. Um, And the message is just like so poignant for today's times. yeah, like we all as humans like deserve yeah. equal access to healthcare and the uh, ability to, you know, get to our ultimate, you know, health and uh, live healthy lives um, and all the different factors that play into that. Um, you know, we should not be barred from those based on race or any other type of identity. Um, so yeah, comment, subscribe, follow us as well on social media. We are at Black Health on everything, B-L-K-H-L-T-H. And uh, thanks so much for listening, everybody. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. I love you.
Thank <laughs> you.